Good morning. Good morning to you online as well. We're glad you're with us. Um, I guess I need to start with an apology this morning. Um, last week I told y'all Mike locked me in the bathroom. And so the revenge was I made Barbara pregnant. So that wasn't really fair. So I wrote you a song, Barbara. Yeah. Barbara, did you know that your baby... It was original. Good morning. Um, Let's see, what we're doing now? Um, Preaching, that's right. Short, 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 short. Because we have... It's not worship and waffles this year, it's eggs and exaltation. So, (laughs) biscuits and blessings, maybe. Um, Have you ever felt helpless? Um, Maybe right now, listening to me sing. Um, Have you ever felt helpless? And I don't mean like the victim mentality, helpless, but truly helpless. Because... um, that helplessness, that feeling, is really a symptom of uncontrollable circumstances. When we find ourselves in a place where we can't control the outcome, we can't control what's ha- happening, we start to feel helpless. I told y'all um, a couple of years ago, I think I told y'all this story, um, where Kaylee was lost. Um, and if you, you weren't here for that, she was playing hide-and-go-seek with Caleb. She was wearing all black. She had a black blanket and she was hidden under the back of the bed and I was at Brookshire's and Cammie calls me and says hey we can't find Kaylee and I said well keep looking she's around the house somewhere and call again five minutes later we still can't find Kaylee and I got three phone calls on the third phone call she goes I'm calling 911 and it, it was it was scary she had let the dog in Ty was looking for her no one can find her anywhere. The police, as I pull back into the driveway from Brookshire's, the police are flooding our neighborhood. There's, there's probably 15, 20 police officers looking. We had some friends who had come over. Everyone's searching for Kaylee. I'm running through the house frantically looking for her, trying to find her, yelling, looking under her bed. Nothing. And finally, in one last kind of attempt to find her. I was just screaming her name in the house. And she starts crying under the bed. She was in the very, very back corner, wrapped up in a blanket, and she fell asleep. But for me, it was the most helpless I had ever felt in my entire life. Because there was nothing I could do. It was this frantic search to find my little girl, and I could do nothing. I I, I wonder, as I listened to the news this last week, a little girl that was abducted in Wise County, like just how crazy that feeling would be as it persisted over time. Because helplessness that persists over time leads to hopelessness. The the longer that helplessness kind of hangs on, I don't know what to do. I can't do anything. It starts to turn to hopelessness. And the only way that it does not turn to this hopelessness that just consumes our life is to be able to find some hope outside of our circumstances. 
Right? If our circumstances are uncontrollable and we can't do anything about them, the only way that it can change and not continue to fall into this pattern where it just becomes utter hopelessness is to find hope in circumstances outside of our circumstances. To find hope somewhere else. For the people of Israel, they have been living under the oppressive reign of empire after empire after empire. And that I'm guessing starts to feel like there is a sense of hopelessness. Is it always going to be this way? And as we said last week, the reason they were in the circumstances they were in was really because of their own doing. Just generation after generation of people who continue to try to do things on their own and not be obedient to what God has told them to do. And they find themselves dealing with the consequences of their actions over a prolonged period of time. See, but here's where it really gets difficult. Because one person can't make the decision as a nation, we're going to change and we're going to be different because it really doesn't affect anything. See, that brings a, a great question. How do you turn the heart of a nation back to God? See, that helplessness, and I wonder if maybe that helplessness is, is kind of a good thing. Because it's this realization that we can't we're completely incapable of changing the heart of a nation, of turning them back to God to live out what God has called them to be. But after a while living in that life, my guess is it starts to feel really hopeless because you're helpless. I mean, the only thing you can affect and the only thing you can change is you. You can't do anything else about everyone else. It's those uncontrollable circumstances that make life really difficult. And Israel is searching. They're pleading with God, come and save us. Come and redeem us. God, we need you. But after a while, you start to wonder, does it even matter anymore? Do we have to give up on this kingdom vision that God has given us? God, you promised you would bring light into the world. But when we look around, it looks like it's just darkness. God, where are you? But then a light, a light dawns and gives birth to a new day. And the one thing I know about light is light is incapable of entering into darkness and going unnoticed. No matter how dark it is, a small light in the midst of that darkness will grab hold of everyone's attention who is stuck in that darkness. 
And this light brings hope that the darkness does not win. So last week we started with the story of Elizabeth and this promise that she in her old age is going to have a child. We're going to fast forward a little bit in the story to a lady named Mary. So we're going to start in verse 26. The sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel, who is the same angel that went to Elizabeth. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Mary, the thing I think that stands out about Mary more than anything else to me is even though this angel calls her favored, is that she's ordinary. She's like you and me. She doesn't have this prestigious family. She doesn't seem to have great wealth to be a prominent person. But she's just another character in the story. Right? Last week, Elizabeth and Zachariah were characters in the story. Herod was a character in the story. Gabriel is a character in the story. Mary and Joseph characters in the story, but they aren't the main character because this is not their story. This is God's story of God speaking into the world and bringing his light to a people who are stuck in darkness, who are longing for hope and who are needing help. And so Mary hears this and she's troubled by his words. Why would you call me highly favored, the highly favored one. Why would you say that? I'm nothing. I'm not special. I'm ordinary. But even in spite of her being an ordinary young Jewish girl, God gives her an extraordinary purpose. And here's that purpose. God, God's son will dwell inside of you. And you will be the vessel through which His presence comes into this world. That is an extraordinary purpose. God's Son will dwell inside of you. And you will be the vessel through which His presence comes into this world. See, and if you think about the story throughout the history of faith, and, and the, the great men and women of faith that we see throughout they're ordinary people. They're ordinary people. Abraham was an ordinary guy, guy that God called out of the shepherding fields. Sarah was too old to have children. Joseph was an entitled teenager. Moses was adopted and couldn't speak. David was a shepherd. Rahab was a prostitute. Jonah ran from God. Paul was an enemy of God. These were ordinary everyday people like you and I. Yet God had an incredible 
purpose. And we think of them as great men and women of faith, not because of where they began, but because they were willing to listen to God and be obedient to Him. See, we think most of the time the most powerful tool in the hand of God is a qualified person, or a skilled person, or a talented person, or a well-resourced person, but the most powerful tool in the hands of God is an available person. Someone who is willing to listen and be obedient to the call of God. Because what you'll find through these stories of ordinary, everyday people is blessing follows obedience. Blessing follows obedience. And I don't mean that in the health and wealth that if you're obedient to God, He's going to give you a mansion and millions of dollars. But your life is going to have the blessings of God saturating it. Because so often God works in the ordinary and the everyday. He works through regular people like you and I who are nothing special. But He can do extraordinary things through them in our world. Blessing follows obedience. So picking up in verse 30. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever, and his kingdom will never end. But with this incredible promise, this ordinary Jewish girl is called favored by God, blessed because she's going to give birth to a child. I started to wonder, maybe the reason she is blessed and favored by God is simply because she's willing to listen to God. Blessing follows obedience. And you can say, well, God singled her out. He called her to this purpose. He did. But she believed. And she was obedient and willing to follow, willing to submit her life to God. So you have no way of knowing what will come from your obedience. You have no idea of just where it could lead to. One of my favorite movie trilogies is the Back to the Future trilogy. And I really like the second one. And, and if you haven't seen these, if you're under, I don't know, 35, Kyle, do you know Back to the Future? He's not listening to me. <laughs> Your pen ran out of ink, so you were taking extensive notes. What was the last thing I said? No. <laughs> but I, I like the second Back to the Future because in that, they go forward into the future to see what problems had come up, and then they try to go back in time to fix the problems. Like, I mean, that, that sounds like a great, great opportunity, right? 
Like you can go forward and see all the mistakes that you've made and then go back and try to correct them. But unfortunately, we don't get to live our life like that. You, you don't get to go back in time. You don't, there's not a rewind button. You, you never get to go forward and see what the mistakes you've made and what the sins in your life have led to. The only thing we get to do is try to be obedient from where we are. Because you can't change what's happened. Now, the, the glory, the beauty of Jesus is he can forgive it. And he doesn't hold it against us. But you can't change it. And you still, regardless of whether it's forgiven or not, have to live with the consequences of it. We find Mary, this obedient teenage mother, who is willing to be obedient to what God is calling her to. And, and here's the thing, is even though she's willing, I don't really think she has much of a choice. And I wonder some of the times in our life that we find ourselves in these uncontrollable circumstances where we think things are out of control, where we think things are horrible, maybe come some of the greatest blessings God could possibly give in ways we could not even fathom. Mary's willingness. See, because the angel's message is don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Keep following. Keep being obedient. Because the kingdom of this king who's going to come through you into this world, his kingdom will never end. Herod's kingdom, Caesar's kingdom, Pharaoh's kingdom, Babylon, they're going to find their end. But the kingdom of God will go on forever and ever and ever. This good news that a king is coming into the world. And so Mary, with this message, verse 34, says... How will this be, since I am a virgin? How, how will this be? Which I, I find interesting that Zechariah questioned the angel and was silenced. And, and I don't know if it's humility. I don't know what it is. But for some reason, Gabriel doesn't have a problem with Mary's question. Mary says, how can this be? I'm still a virgin. But what I do know is the direction she's going is not based on clarity. Obedience is not based on clarity. We, we don't get a drawn out picture of how our life is going to go. And what these choices are going to mean. And what's going to happen in our life. We don't get to see that ahead of time. 
All we know is that God is calling us to follow and that our direction is not dependent on clarity. It's not dependent on understanding. And that our blessings will flow out of that obedience. They will flow out of that obedience. So verse 35. The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. And Mary says, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Her, Her calling, her purpose in this world is God's Son would dwell in her. And she would be the vessel through which His Spirit came into this world. Through, through his, his presence would enter this world. But the beautiful thing about your purpose and my purpose is our purpose is no different than Mary's. God's Son will dwell in you. And you will be the vessel through which His presence comes into this world. God's Son will dwell in you. And you will be the vessel through which His presence comes into this world. That is a divine purpose. And it's God's gift to you. That His Spirit would dwell in you. And that you would bring His presence into this world. And that the world would see Jesus through your life. See, that incredible gift also brings incredible blessing. If we'll simply be obedient and willing to follow. Father, we thank you so much for this gift. We thank you, Father, that we are the vessel through which your spirit will come into this world. Father, that would be a blessing to everyone who knows the name Jesus. And Father, we pray that for those who don't know your name, that we would be the light in the darkness that would usher your presence into this world. giving the greatest gift to them they could ever receive. Father, thank you so much for your gift of love to us. May we continue to give that love to this world through our lives as we follow you. We thank you and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our shepherds and their spouses are going to be in the back. If we could do anything to help you as you follow Jesus, um, we would love to do that um, while we stand and sing.